Welcome to the podcast. We're street smart, business smart, all kinds of smart people share their insights into the world of marketing, career journeys, and personal growth. So sit back and prepare to get enlightened with your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. Tribe, let's get back to talent acquisition and recruiting. I know we took a little detour recently with some really awesome, fun guests, but let's get back to the roots of what this show all, is all about. And I could not have a better guest to do that today. Michael Kasak is truly an industry vet and a thought leader with over 20 years of performance in developing, executing, and supporting high-level hiring initiatives to strengthen operational performance and improve competitive positioning. What the heck does that all mean? We'll get to it. This guy is just a, a recruiting uh, TA legend, and he began his career with Aerotech and also managed his own staffing firm, which really gives a unique perspective, and we'll certainly dig that in a little bit. But then he went on to uh, corporate recruiting, and let's just drop some names here. Bank of America, Capital One, Seabree, right? Did they do Seabree or they actually spell out the letters there? Anyway, let's uh, talk about CBRE. Yeah. CBRE. Um, most recently, head of talent acquisition at a little company called PayPal. And he has recently, congratulations, accepted a new role with another little teeny tiny company called Google. Doing some work for them over for Google North America. And we'll talk about his new role and how awesome that is. And when he's not doing talent acquisition, he's a foodie, a wine collector, and enjoys spending time with his wife and four-year-old daughter. But we won't know how that's going to last after the last few weeks of quarantine. We'll see if they still all enjoy each other's company there. And I had the pleasure to meet Michael in Dallas in September at Talent Connect. And I'm thrilled to have him on the show today to share his story and so much more insight into the world of talent acquisition. Michael, welcome to the podcast, my man. Thanks for having me, Adam. I really appreciate it. Looking good stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I think I did a pretty good job of giving my tribe, uh, you know, your background story. But let's dig in a little bit more. I'd love from your perspective to kind of hear where it all started, man. Like, how'd you get into talent and uh, how did yeah. you get to where we are today? Yeah, yeah. You know, I've been very fortunate in my career um, to have found TA right out of college. Um, like most people, um, I didn't go to, to college and say, I want to be a recruiter. Not many. Um, I don't know if that's over to college, it. right? And that's not yeah, a college course. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think there might be some curriculum these days, but back when, when I was in school, not a, not a word of it. So, um, you know, I was out looking for, for jobs and um, stumbled upon staffing agency, really didn't know much about it. But uh, I remember back when I uh, was, was giving the interview, I walked in and there was a walk through a recruiting pit to get to the, to the office of the, the uh, branch manager. And I just looked around and I saw, I just, I saw people that I could relate to. It was high energy. It was, it just looked like it was competitive. People were standing up on the phones and it was I just, as soon as we, yeah, as soon as we got into the uh, branch manager's office, I just started asking a ton of questions. And so, um, you know, lo and behold, I really, you know, I had the DNA to, to be a, an agency recruiter. I just didn't know it. And so, you know, with the proper training, um, you know, Aerotech is a wonderful place to get trained. Um, you know, I really found my niche and, um, you know, loved the side of the, the, the agency of the competitiveness, the sense of urgency, the relationship building. Um, and, you know, as I started to do all of that, you know, I, I 
was getting to the really the sales aspect of the agency side. And, you know, as I was meeting with my clients, I was fascinated by not just the requisitions that I was getting, but why I was getting them. And so, you know, as I was doing that, and as I was forging relationships with many, um, you know, business stakeholders on the corporate side, I realized that I, I had a passion for what they were doing and, and the, the why behind, you know, the, the hunt. And so, you know, I decided early on that, um, you know, after, you know, after I had my own firm that, uh, that it was time for me to make that step over to corporate. And, you know, when I did at the time, you know, corporate recruiting was, you know, somewhat the, um, you know, with all due respect, um, you know, the offer letter preparers and the background check runners and, yeah, you know, very back, administrative. Back and stuff, so, yeah. Yeah. And, and I had this, you know, I had this theory in my head that, you know, I wanted to bring the agency to corporate America. I wanted to bring, you know, the sense of urgency, the, the relationship building, the, you know, when you go into an intake session with a manager, you're asking those questions, those smart questions, and, and you're getting, um, you're going out and you're getting them passive candidates and bringing them in. So I wanted all of that and, you know, had the opportunity to, um, to, to open that door. And it's been, um, it's been a wonderful, wonderful ride since. Like I said, I've, I've had the opportunity to work for some amazing companies, work with some amazing people. Um, yeah, it's just been, it's been a fun ride. And I don't really ever see myself detouring from, from TA. I've had, you know, I've had some opportunities here and there to go into some, some generalist roles and some other things, but I've always stayed true to TA. It's just a passion of mine and, and I love what I do. I love it, and that and and that's just a tremendous career story. And and congrats on on the on the move to um, Google. So let's kind of just round that out now. What are you going to yeah. be doing for Google? Yeah, so um, I am going to be running uh, the sourcing function for uh, software engineering for North America. So super wow. excited. Um, have the opportunity to stay here in Austin. Google is investing heavily in Austin. Um, just love the the match there and. Um, you know, it's, it's an elite company that I'm humbled to be a part of. That's, that's fantastic. And, and congratulations. And I'm really looking forward. We were supposed to connect in, in March when I came out there for South by, <laughs> but that got canceled. So, I mean, at the very least I'll be out there next March and we could certainly uh, break bread, have a drink. Uh, definitely like to check out the Google headquarters there. So let's jump into it. Absolutely. Um, you you kind of hit on something that I, that I didn't think I was going to mention, but I, I kind of want to round off on that. Um, I truly believe also that in-house recruiters, if they have that agency background, there is such a difference. And that's something that I look for when I build in-house teams too, because it's right. It's like that speed to market, that understanding of the sense of urgency, but that's not always the case, right? Sometimes you inherit a team, you're hiring folks. How do you instill those agency, the, the things that you learned in the agency on, into the in-house side? How do you bring that? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and yeah, I mean, I just to kind of go back, I, I do look for that, um, you know, that, that person that has um, shown that they have those abilities to operate in, a, um, in an environment like an agency. But there are corporate recruiters now, especially nowadays, that, um, that come with that sense of urgency and, and understand the need to, to influence, build relationships. And so, you know, a lot of it is, uh, you know, when you build the right team, you're, you're playing on people's strengths. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of looking at the strengths of my team and making sure that that I leverage those. And, you know, yes, you always want to help people develop and, you know, look through their opportunities. But I just, I'd rather, you know, make sure that we're doubling down on all of the positive strengths that you bring to the table. And so, you know, when you put somebody next, when you put an agency recruiter and a, 
a corporate recruiter together and, and they start to share and collaborate and work together, they exactly. really become the same type of recruiter. And so it's really about just collaboration, transparency. Um, I'm, I'm big on just having a, a, a full view of, you know, of what's going on, all of the metrics, all of the, the, the day to day and, and make it transparent. And then let's, let's hold each other accountable. Let's share best practices. Let's, you know, raise our hands up for our, ourselves and ask for help. And, and then, you know, you create a team where people want to help others. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that's just kind of a philosophy that I've always, uh, I've always had. Fantastic. I mean, I, I have a fraction of the experience that you have, but one of the things that I've really seen to be successful is when the recruiters, and we're talking about in-house recruiters, that they're not just focused on filling roles. They're not just focused on putting a warm body in the seat, but they're really embracing the, the understanding the business need. Why do we need this role here? Almost being kind of that hybrid HRBP, kind of being an HR person, understanding, putting yourself in the, in the, in the role of, of the manager and truly understanding what's required of this role and why, because that's what's going to really round you out and add more value, right? And we get back to this idea of adding more value. Uh, I'd love to understand some of the, you know, the coaching, something that you really love to do is, is coaching and developing people. Like, what's your kind of approach to coaching? How do you really find these strengths that you were talking about before? And then how do you nurture and develop them or help people who have, have deficiencies and need some training? Yeah. You know, I, I've always believed that, you know, you should create an environment that is a, a safe place for people to fail. And, um, and, and people enjoy coming to work. They're surrounded by people that, that want to see them succeed. And if you can set that tone with a team and, and show them that you truly care about them. Honestly, Adam, I don't, when I look at my team, whatever, you know, past teams, present teams, future teams, I, I don't look at my top former and my, you know, somebody that, that's kind of struggling to, to turn the curve. I don't look at them any different as far as how I care right. about them and, and the time that I want to invest in them and, and, and the, the coaching and development. Some of the development that I give is going to be different, but the, the amount of attention and, and the energy that I put in is the same. And so if you have a team that looks at you and says, wow, my leader cares no matter what then you know, that's the most important thing. That's, that's how you start building a highly functional recruiting team is you get them to all know that you care. And, and, it, and it's genuine. You have to be genuine about it. And then, you know, lo and behold, you actually have a team that cares about each other. And so, you know, recruiting is a, I've always said this, recruiting is a very thankless job. Yeah. You wreck and First to be under the bus, right? The next wreck. Yes. If something goes wrong, then there's an email sent to your manager and the whole freaking world is CC'd on it and everything goes sideways and you have to, you know, put a business case together on why you did it. And so, you know, it's, we, we have to give each other pats on the back. We have to lift each other up when, when, when we're down and, and we have to rely on each other for, for some needed energy. Yeah, I, I love it. And, and you hit on so many things too, which was a question I was going to have later on about your approach to leadership. But I think you really just outlined and defined it and, and kudos, man. I mean, really setting the example and, and can totally see how, how and why you've gotten so far in your career. So kudos on that one. I want to talk about, um, you know, big teams, right? Like the first question is, A, do you miss working with smaller teams? I can assume now that you're, you're managing pretty large teams. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I do, I miss, um, you know, what I found though, is that the, the, the skip levels and the interactions I have on all hands and things like that, it, it just makes me more focused to get to know everybody, even if it's just, you know, a, a, 
um, a small interaction with somebody, I really truly um, focus and, and, and I'm really engaged in my team. And so, you know, I, I, I take a lot of pride in knowing each and every single person in my organization, um, large or small. And so, you know, I love, um, you know, I still love going to happy hours and I mean, now we're doing all these virtual, you know, happy hours. Oh, they're and, crazy. and so it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to, you know, I actually said this to, um, to, to my team, um, you know, as I was, uh, cause I'm obviously in the middle of a transition and, and, um, you know, I said this to my team and I, I truly mean it, you know, as I'm leaving, I don't, I'm not going to remember your time to fill or how many hires you had per month or, you know, I'm going to remember your character. I'm going to remember your spirit. I'm also going to have all those memories of, you know, births and marriages and oh, graduations yeah. and all of those things. Those are, those are, and you know, now more than ever, it's important for us to embrace that. And, and I think, you know, I know we'll probably, get, you know, obviously talk about the topic of COVID, but we'll get there. You know, we're, we're you know, it's, it's such an important time for us to, um, to make sure that we are fully engaged with our teams. And there's something interesting there too. I mean, I, I could hear it in your voice and I could kind of get a sense of the way you manage. It's about being vulnerable as a leader. And I think it's really hard too. And yeah. I think times have changed over the last 20 years. And it's crazy that I could date myself now where I've been in the workforce for 20 years. It's, it's fucking like, whoa, I've been working for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's changed a lot. You know, when, when people throw around that word vulnerable, especially from a leadership perspective, um, you know, how does that translate with you? I mean, first and foremost, I mean, I, I, it's a trait that, that I bring to the table that if, if a company I'm going to work for doesn't value my vulnerability, then I'm at the wrong place. Um, I'm, you know, I, I'm a work in progress and will always be a work in progress. And, you know, whether it be in a small team, a large team, you know, I approach it as I don't have all the answers and, right. and we as a collective team will get to the solution but let's be honest, there, there is not one person that I've run across that, can, um, that, that has every single answer and, and can solve every single problem. And so, you know, it's just about being real. I mean, it, it really is. It's, you know, being vulnerable is just means that you're being real. You're being true being to yourself. Yeah. And I, I, love, I love learning. I learned, love learning from people. And, you know, I, when I took on this job at PayPal, you know, I transitioned um, halfway through into more of a global um, role. And, you know, I, I met with my team in, in Shanghai and my team in Bangalore. And, I, and I, the first thing I told them was, I'm going to learn more from you than you are from me here in the short term. I need you to teach me. And, and so, you know, you got you to gotta open yourself up to that. And you got to know that, hey, if you expect your people to, um, to operate in a safe environment, then you also should operate in a safe environment and not be afraid to fail in front of everyone. No, that, that's tremendous too. So let's talk recruiting shop for a little bit. I love talking to seasoned pros cool. here. And the, and, and, and the way I like to phrase this, if you had a brand new recruiter, right? Someone who's either coming out of school, coming out of maybe a little bit of agency work too. And they were there first day meeting you, meeting the team. What is that one golden piece of advice that you would give them to be successful in recruiting? Uh, don't hide behind the computer. Don't hide behind. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times um, you know, technology is amazing. It is freaking amazing, but it can also be such a hindrance if you get sucked into whether it's your ATS system or your CRM and you're literally, you're just, you're, you're, you're being a robot. And so, you know, the best piece of advice is, you know, make sure you bring your personality, make sure you, you bring a human touch 
whether it's to your candidate, to your hiring managers, to your business partners, um, you know, don't hide behind the computer. And, you know, and, you know, there are times where you, know, you can't have that face to face, but leverage, you know, I mean, we're all doing it now, yeah. video conferencing. I mean, make sure you're looking at your, your colleagues straight in the eyes and, and, and building relationship with them. Yeah, you got you get you got to do it digitally. I mean, absolutely. So, where do you see like you know? Listen, you're hiring recruiters that are coming from all different types of places, um, and I'm sure some of them kind of struggle coming into these large organizations, whether it be Google, PayPal, CBRE, whatever it is. You know, where do you think that 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 struggle is? Is it because the teams are so big, are they coming into such a large matrix organization? Like, how do you make a a yeah. big place feel small and intimate? And as I mute myself yeah. here because my kid is yapping upstairs. Oh, no, that's awesome. Um, first and foremost, um, you know, as a company, you, you have to um, create an environment where people, you give people time to understand and learn the landscape. If, if you're going in for your first, you know, day, week, month, and, and, and you are the receiver of somebody that's coming in, and you don't build in that time frame that they need to get acclimated, then, then, then you know, that, that sucks for you because you are not going to get um, somebody that feels um, like they're part of the journey. And so, um, you know, it, it's, it is tough. You know, when you deal with a company that is large and, and is matrix oriented, um, the, the best thing that you can do is listen and, and be a sponge. Um, don't assume you have all the answers because what one company does well, another company may do better. And so it's really important when you walk into a new organization and I'm about to do it is to shut up and listen and, and learn as much as you can and know that, um, you know, you've got a lot to learn. And, and anytime you hit that reset button and walk into a new company, um, your learning curve starts over and you have to embrace that and you have to walk in and know that, you don't have all the answers. And so it's really a two-way street because the company has to be receiving of you and, and accept the fact that there is a learning curve. And then you've got to accept the fact that your learning curve is there. Right. Is there anything that you're scared about, about stepping foot day one into Google? Petrified, petrified, um, honestly. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna get some cool t-shirts and, you know and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, look, I mean, you know, Google is, I, look, I'm, humbled at the opportunity and if i were to tell you that that i wasn't nervous uh, it would be a flat out lie and and look nerves i have embraced nerves from day one i, I mean may, maybe it's the you know the sports in me that uh i love i was nervous before a big game I, I, i'm nervous before a big meeting i'm nervous before a big speech and it, and it keeps me grounded and so i'm nervous going into uh to, to my new role i'm nervous about you know, the, the value that I'm going to add to a company like Google. But you know what? Those nerves are going to keep me grounded. They're going to keep me focused. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to go in and add value however I can. And I'm going to learn it. I'm going to learn yeah. a shit ton too. So yeah. that's what I'm excited about. Now that's, that's exciting, man. So I want to go back and, and, you know, you talk about building a TA organization and TA strategies through the eyes and lens of the recruiter and source. So let's unpack that a little bit. I found it fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, um, another philosophy that I've held on to for a while. I, I can't tell you um, how frustrated I am when I see whether some type of technology that's been configured by, you know, and you could tell it, the fingerprints are lawyers and compliance and this, and it's like, where, 
where was the recruiter or the sourcer or the coordinator in the development of this tool? And so, you know, when I embark upon any type of implementation, whether it be a process or technology, I always look for, okay, let me, let me get some, some subject matter experts in the room and they're people that I, I deliberately put people that are um, outspoken and, and can articulate um, things that are important to them. They have a point and of view. And I also, yeah. yes, absolutely. And I also, you know, always think about, you know, I am not the, and if I'm not the end user, if I'm not the user, I need somebody in the room that is, and, and I need to trust them. And so, you know, it's very important that we never lose sight of the fact that, um, you know, we're doing, we're, we're building these processes and tools for, to, to enable our recruiters and sources to do a better job. So if the tool that we're handing them is a hindrance, then, then it's counterproductive. And so I would much rather build the right tool for them that they're excited about than hand them something and them, you know, it, it's just a lackluster, you know, check yeah. the box. Hey, we've got a new CRM type of a deal. And right. Like just because one contract too, ended, you don't need to just jam anything yeah, down people's throats. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, the other thing too, Adam is I am, I'm a recruiter. I will always be a recruiter. And so, you know, if, if I'm going to put a tool, give a tool to my team, I better know how to use it. I better know the functionality. And so I, I like to get my hands dirty and I like to, I love looking at new technology and things that are going to, to help enable uh, my team. So it's, it's very important to, to always keep that recruiter hat on. Right. You got to stay, I, it's, you know, going a little Gary Vism here, it's, it's clouds and dirt, right? Like that's the way I operate too. Like you need to be in the clouds, leading, managing strategy, high level, looking out for your teams. And sometimes you got to get your hands dirty and roll up your sleeves and, and sit side by side. Cause how the hell is somebody going to trust you if you haven't done it yourself? Right. How do you mentor exactly. somebody, you know, if you exactly. haven't done it yourself? And I think that's, you know, a lot, a big part about the culture, right? Like when you're, when you're building the culture of a TA team, because there's a unique culture, listen, in every company, there's subcultures within the overall company culture um, for sure. And in TA, you kind of hit the nail on the head on all that stuff, right? It's about accountability. It's about training. It's about, you know, picking people up and, and supporting them as, as best as possible. So, how, you know, how does somebody get hired? You know, we'll talk about like a mid-level recruiter. Like what's the best way to get hired at one of these big companies? Yeah. How do you stand out? Especially now when there's so many good recruiters on the market, how do you differentiate, how do you differentiate yourself yeah. as a recruiter in the hiring process for a recruiter? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. You know, one of the things that, that recruiters have the ability to do is to, to showcase your networking skills um, while you're trying to, network and, and, and get that in. And so, you know, anytime, whether it be LinkedIn or just, um, you know, meetups or what have you, you're, you, you have to be on, you know, you have to, you're, you're, you've been given the opportunity to, to showcase your skill and you're going to do your job by how you interact with me or, or any hiring manager um, that's out there. So I always tell people, you know, be careful, you know, the, the generic um, in-mails or the, um, you know, the, 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 the over, corporate overspeak. I mean, all of those things, in my opinion, they work against you when you're trying to network. Um, if you're real, if you be yourself and, and you take the opportunity to show what differentiates you, um, you're going to get more attention. 
I truly think, and I love your thought on this, and maybe it's just me because I'm a little bit of a showman and the way I do my recruitment too, but I think there's, there's an element of performance. There's an element of showmanship that goes in, into recruiting too because that's how you engage. That's how you, like, you build a rapport. I mean, obviously, there's yeah. no substitute for the real relationship, but you're, you're – and I hate to use the word selling a job or selling a company because no, you shouldn't have it. to do that. But, you know, you're representing and, – and one piece, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm trying to coin this one. I'll let you borrow it because you're a good guy. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like to say the recruiter is the first touch that a potential new employee has with any organization. They are the gatekeeper. They are the brand ambassador. And that's why it's yes. so important when I interview recruiters to work for me or when I go in – I sell myself by saying this, I'm going to be the one that's representing your company. I'm going to know your company inside and out. Yeah. I'm going to treat it as my own that I work there. So you'd be proud to yes. put me in front and be that gatekeeper, be that doorman to your nightclub, right? And, and who Absolutely. gets in and who doesn't. And, and that's something that I, I really try to talk about um, a lot here. And like, what are some of those advantages? Because some people may say, listen, I love the mom and pop shops. I like working with, you know, yeah. three people here in this company. What are some of those advantages yeah. to working in a, at, a, at a big Google, you know, PayPal you know, what, what makes it special and different? Yeah, I mean, I can tell you what I've really enjoyed is, you know, the opportunity to come in and, and be a value add in so many different ways. You know, there are a variety of projects going on, of problems to solve. And so, you know, when you get into an organization that is fairly large and, and complex, you know, as you, as you get your feet underneath you, you start to see, um, either some low-hanging fruit or some really massive problems that you can actually take part in solving. And so I personally, I love the opportunity to do something off the side of my desk that is going to benefit my company and, and myself. And so these, these great companies that I've worked for have enabled me to do that. And, you know, a lot of it too is, you know, when I look at a company and, and I think of you know, what are they doing for their community as well? What are they doing for the greater right. good of, uh, of us? And so I love being able to take part in that. And whether it's, you know, building a new product for, you know, a certain demographic or rolling out something that is going to, you know, to, to change and, and flip the status quo on its head. I mean, I love just being on a, a, a team that was a part of that. That's, that's absolutely fantastic. And I want to double back because I, I, I'd love to get your perspective on, you know, candidate experience, um, your philosophy. I mean, we could, we could spend a whole three or four other podcasts, like get, digging into the nuts and bolts over there. But like, what's your philosophy on, on candidate experience? Yeah, and, and this has probably been said a lot. I know I've said it a lot, but it is worth repeating over and over. Um, almost every time, when you're dealing with a candidate, um, almost I think almost every single person that works in, especially in a corporate setting, you know that candidate is either a customer of your company or a potential customer of your company. And and so when they leave that experience, whether they get the job or not, it has to be a positive experience for them because, like you just said, you're a brand ambassador for your company. You're the first point of contact, and you are. The company to in, in their eyes and so if you give them that wow experience if you give them that extra touch um, if you keep if you communicate with them the way that you should then you know they're going to leave with such a positive uh, a vibe about your company exactly. and so you know, can it i mean I, yeah i could talk about candidate experience for for it, it is just you know it, 
there, there would be, we, we could talk about, you know, hiring manager sad and all this and, and ROIs on this and that, but at the end of the day, it's the candidates are what it's all about. Exactly. It's, it's entirely what our jobs are. Our jobs are helping people get jobs. And so our, our first, the first part of that is helping people. And we, we have to always keep that in the front of our minds. A hundred percent too. And I think it really boils down to one core practice and philosophy, and it's managing expectations. It's managing communications and managing expectations. So the candidates know where they stand in the process. They understand what's happening with timing. And that solves everything. Because at the end of the day, we just want to know as a candidate, we want to know yes. what the heck is yes. happening. Where do I stand? Exactly. What is the feedback? What's the time frame here? And that's really, yeah. you know, you know, what's important. Um, and then, you know, flipping it to the other side of that, when we talk about em- employer branding, right? How is a company perceived in the marketplace in the eyes of people interviewing and candidates? What's your philosophy and approach on, on company branding from a TA perspective? Yeah. I mean, look, right now is a great example of company branding. Um, you know, what, what you're doing for your employee base right now and, and how you are leaning into this environment is employee branding. And, you know, I made a, um, I, I made a little uh, post on LinkedIn that said, you know, I welcome my team, all of my team's family members, kids on our conference calls. I want to see your family. And, and the tone there was, you know, let's, let's embrace people for, for, for who they are. Let's, let's understand and be empathetic of everything that's going on with, with people, whether it be, you know, having to take care of family members, uh, having kids that are homeschooled exactly. now. And I mean, there's, there's all sorts of new balls are in the air. And I think as a company, you, whether you like it or not, you're being judged right now on how you are handling this and how you are treating your employee base. And so 100%. there's a lot of companies that are standing out and, and, and you're like, wow. And, and then there are companies where you're like, yep, I knew they would, I knew they would do it because that's who they are. And then there are some other companies you're like, wow, okay. That's, that's probably not a sustainable uh, way of, of, of handling things, you know, and, and you worry about it. But I, I tell people right now, if you want to know how strong of a brand your company has and how, and how you feel about your company, take a step back and think about how you're being treated as an employee for that company and, and, and how they're rallying around you and their community. And so, you know, employee branding is, you know, a lot of it is just, um, it's out there. It's, 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 if you're transparent about how you treat your employee base and, and how you're uh, treating your community, then your brand speaks for itself, good or bad. Yeah. And, and that's a good, that's a good transition too. I mean, we talk about that now in the, in the age of COVID, right? Like how a company is perceived internally and, and externally. Um, I mean, you're not, you're not in role yet. Um, I mean, but any insight, whether, you know, in your, in your, previous on, on the way out of PayPal, like how is COVID, you know, generally affecting, you know, the talent acquisition trends right now? And I, I can just say personally, like if we're talking yes. industry agnostic, right? Like, yes, there are some folks yes. that are still hiring, some are still frozen right now. Um, yeah, yeah. But it changed, it changed on a dime. I mean, it was a, it was a yeah. great candidate driven yeah. market up until about six weeks ago. And now yeah. all, all bets are off. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it is, um, it, it's been very interesting. And I've obviously talked with a lot of um, my colleagues and peers across um across the globe and you know the the ta world right now is it, it's you know there are pockets of um of focus and, and i think the what i've seen is companies that have a you know 
a goal of, you know, they, they've got 15 to 20, you know, top priorities that they, that they were facing um, pre-COVID now have said, okay, we're going to take three to five of these priorities and we are going to be exceptional at the end. We're going to hit home runs on every single one of these. And so those priorities are the ones that are associated to hiring or talent. And so, you know, what I've seen is it's just a more narrow focus, but a need to hit a home run every time. And so, you know, where, you know, whether it be PayPal or Google, you know, the, the goal is to make sure that the bandwidth that we're using right now is of the utmost priority and, and is time well spent and is going towards a top priority for the company, a top, you know, right. one, two, three priority. And I right. think before that, you know, mm-hmm. there was a lot of competing priorities and a lot of things that kind of, and so we would be hiring, you know, somebody that, that may or may not be a, a needle mover because they were decked against a project that was, you know, kind of, now when you bring somebody into the company, I guarantee you, you know, you're bringing somebody in that's, that's, that needs to make a difference. Right. Exactly. And, and here's another thing too, never. And in my recent time, and I've only been in this game, a, you know, a fraction of you, but never has so much amazing A-list talent, a quality talent been open, available on the open market. Right. It's almost like yeah. free agency yep. right now. And yeah. to your point, a company, there's a good and a bad here. One, that those people are going to get scooped up. But it also kind of sucks for those B's and C's out there who are or maybe people out of work beforehand and people that may not be as strong. It's going to be a lot tougher for them to find a job because there's, you know, there's limited opportunities. And it's just going to be interesting to play out. And yeah. also, you know, the other part that we haven't talked about is how, you know, all of these interviews now are all remote right? We're, we're doing it all remote. Yeah. I mean, I personally feel there's a real value for folks coming on site to meet people face to face and do that. But do you think this is going to be a trend that's going to continue for a while? You know, even when this gets all sorted out, like, are we going to stick with this remote aspect of, of talent and working or nothing can replace face to face? You know, it's a, that's a great question. And I've, um, I've actually had this conversation um, a, a multitude of different times. And I've given somewhat of the same answer and some of the times i've talked on both sides of my mouth so you know you can you, you can push me one side or the other if i start doing that but i you know what I, I really feel like um you know we're embracing technology um but the the most important thing that i've seen is what this is doing is it's it's humanizing us it's it's, it's creating the same playing field for every single one of us and so when we're interviewing somebody i, I you know i was just went through that process where I was on a video interview, and um, as soon as as soon as we hit the uh, you know the, the link, somebody's five year old bursts into the room, and and we just looked at each other and started right. laughing, and 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 because I could you know I have a four year old, and, and it was just like yeah. and and talk about an icebreaker. We're all doing it. Talk about an, an an opportunity to just get to know somebody before you actually get dive into and. You know, that turned into a two-hour interview because of the conversation that we had and, and the way that it flowed. And so, you know, I would love to be able to see us continue this and and make sure that we are all grounded and stay human and we're not hiding behind the, you know, I, I, I bring the analogy up, but one of my, the first things I, I remember about when things started to, to change um, with how things were, were relayed was the news. And I looked at the news and you see people um, broadcasting from their home, no makeup. And, and I actually started to become more engaged in the news and saw them yeah, as, a great point. as humans. And so, 
you know, this is this now. Yeah. And, and this is now the, you know, I, I don't want to use the cliche, the new norm, but I hope that something sticks that we don't have to hide behind smoke and mirrors. We don't have to hide behind these big, huge presentations and lights and things. We can just be ourselves. Exactly. I, I absolutely love it. Uh, Michael, fantastic, fantastic insight. So let's, let's bring it home here. Um, and I love to ask all my guests, um, you know, a series of questions here because I love to get the perspective. This is the way I learn. I learn, I'm not a book reader anymore. I don't got time for that shit. I got little kids. When I have my free time, I want to watch my Netflix and just kind of chill. Um, so I learn from experts like you and I appreciate your time so much. Michael, what's, what's the greatest piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on every single day? Oh, you know what? Uh, honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up a Gary V one. Um, I mean, I know we have that 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 love for him in common. And you've you've heard this, and as morbid as this is, as morbid as this is, it's true. We're all gonna die. And and so I wake up every day, and I'm like, I need to take advantage of the time that I have. And I know it's not cheesy. It's true. Yeah. Um, you know whether it be the opportunities that present themselves and going after them or just enjoying some downtime with my daughter. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I want to relish in the moments and, and I don't want to take them for granted. And so, you know, I, I wake up every day and, and I really do think about that. I think about relishing just... in the moments that I have. And, you know, it's also about embracing the, you know, we, we all go through these times of, um, resiliency and, and, and anxiety, and and I I like to embrace that, and and it, it keeps me alive. I love it, man. And and you have such a storied, accomplished career. But if you could kind of put your 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 pen into one major accomplishment that you're the most proud of, what, what would that be professionally? Oh wow, what a tough question. Um, As though, there's I, no I there's no softballs it. here, dude. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't um, deal with that no, shit. I come with the hard hitting stuff. I would, I would answer it through uh, giving you a list of every single name of every person that I have had the privilege to promote in my career. I love watching people's careers flourish and grow and develop. And so, you know, whether it be at my own company or if they leave and they go on to bigger, better things, I love watching people take their careers and, and, and progress them and be successful. And so I would go back and say, you know, I would give you all of those names, every single one of them. And I would Love say that that's answer. the proudest. And, and that is it. That is a tremendous answer. Um, COVID question, you know, we're, we're all experiencing, you know, the same thing together. It's, it's a great neutralizer. I mean, I've, yeah. I can't even imagine yeah. any time in human history, uh, maybe during the icy, right? Like, like when everybody was kind of on the same playing field, but there's, there are a lot of bright spots. Um, I'd love if yeah. you could share a, a personal silver lining and a professional silver lining that you've experienced over the past uh, couple months. Yeah, um, there, there's a lot, man. There is a, um, you know, you really, at times like this, you get to see the, the, the greatness in people. Um, you know, I actually had, you know, I, I, I was managing a team in Shanghai and, um, you know, January, this was, you know, this was my life. Um, and I was, you know, I was scared for them and, and I didn't realize the magnitude until, you know, it, it really started to come closer to home. And so, you know, one of the things I take from that, that experience is as things started to get better in, in, in China, I watched 
my team in Shanghai reach out to the partners here in the States and in Europe. And, and they sent masks. They, wow. they were there to answer questions. I mean, it was, it was, it's inspiring. It was absolutely inspiring. And this was something that they, that happened organically. And so, you know, for me, it, it, it's something, um, it, it's something I'll never forget. And, and, you know, it went from us here in the States and, and, and EMEA worrying so much about them and checking in on them every day to then all of a sudden, you know, the, the roles got reversed and they were, you know, checking on us and sending us, you know, care packages. And um, it was just a, it's, it's a, you know, like I said, it brings out the best in people. And world came together. Um, you know, for me, yeah. And, and for me personally, you know, I have, I've got to spend so much time with my daughter and, you know, I was a road warrior. I mean, I was, um, I was traveling almost, I mean, it was every other week, sometimes every week. And so, you know, being able to work from home and take those breaks and then mm -hmm. just walk out of my office doors and, and, you know, I, every morning, every morning, I always wait to hear when my daughter wakes up and, and no matter what call I'm on or whatever, I put it on pause or hit mute. And then I go, you know, I'm able to hug my daughter and see her and, and give her, you know, that, that morning hug. And I love, it. And I love that. And I, and I, and it's, it's just been amazing. And I'm watching her, you know, grow up. It's, it's so incredible, right? Like these are the moments and, you know, not to get too philosophical, not religious or anything. Right. But like, I feel it was a sign from earth that we just need to pause and slow down and get back yeah. to what's important. Now, Michael, and last but not least, right? Not every day is sunshine and rainbows, right? Sometimes you're really in yeah. the dirt, you're in the mud, and you got to pull yourself up. You got to pull your team up. And in other days, like as you just said, you know, you, you have the opportunity to watch your daughter grow up and not miss all that time and make up for lost time and all that good stuff. Whether you're down, whether you're up showing gratitude, Michael, what is your North Star? My North Star is that, you know, I want to leave, I, I want to leave a legacy. You know, I want to, you know, when I'm, when I'm gone, I don't care if it's, you know, people, when, when they say Michael Kasak, whether it's associated to what I've done for a living, um, the, the father that I am, the husband that I am, you know, I want that legacy to be one that inspires people and one that um, puts a smile on people's faces. And, and you know, I love the, the job that I do because I get to interact with so many people um, and then, you know, I love, uh, I mean, the, 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 the best, the best job title that I will ever have in my entire life is dad. It is the absolute best. There will never be a, a, another title Amen. more important to me. And so I, I take that seriously. And, you know, I want my daughter to grow up knowing, um, that her dad's there to support her, that her dad loves her. And, and I want to watch her success. And so, you know, I have to take care of myself. I have to take care of, um, of, of my family so that she can do all of that. And so, you know, my North star is that, and, and it's, you know, her name is Giada and, um, I'm just, you know, I, I can't wait to see the amazing things that she's going to accomplish. Michael, thank you. That was incredible. I am grateful for your time. I'm grateful for our relationship. And, and, you know, when this smoke clears, please, next time you come to New York, we'll go to a Met game. We'll go to a Yankee game. Maybe we'll go to a Met Yankee game. Love it. Um, love it. Love it. Sh show you around a little bit. Where can folks find you? Where could they connect with you? Where could they learn more about you and your journey? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Twitter, MK411. Um, and, you know, I'm obviously, I, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, religiously 
and you know I've I've been trying to to take a little bit of a social media break from um, just to you know through all of this, but um, you know I'm I'm out there. Um, I'm not you know I'm not one that's that's going to post every single day, and um, I, I like to think about things before I, I do that, and then I um, you know every now and then we'll, we'll drop some posts out there. I love it, man. Mike, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Adam. I really appreciate it, man. Anytime. Awesome. Good stuff. And everybody listening and joining us, I really hope that you, you gained a ton of insight information. Hope we made you laugh, smile, a little bit of tear at the end with that awesome North Star. I absolutely love it. Uh, please catch up on previous episodes at thepodcast.com. You know all of our social media handles, links below. And catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Take care, wash your hands, and look out for each other. Be good. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode jam-packed with more incredible humans. For more info, please visit www.nhptalentgroup.com.